0: Welcome to the geek geek Podcast, where we have personality. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Bij. Everybody knows I got personality. Yeah, we already knew that. Today, we are talking about personality tests, because I wanted
1: to, basically. That's my excuse. Like, this has been on our list for a long time, and we always end up pushing it back, so I'm glad to finally get to it. It's time, yeah.
0: Basically, uh, I'm a psych miner, and I geek out about this kind of thing, so that's what the show is for and yeah. it's time today i we're not gonna go super deep on anyone but i just want to talk about it because like i love psychology and what i didn't realize at the time getting a degree in mass communications and a minor in psychology was how these two would actually, like, come together in my professional world. Because I just, I needed something different than my major for my minor, which is, I think I mentioned in the past, maybe even the other week, about, like, I didn't want to do film studies because it was too close. So I picked something totally different. And I was like, what do I like? What am I interested in? What's something that doesn't have to apply to my future career? And it was psychology, because I just like psychology. And now I'm in marketing, which is, like, the exact middle ground between media and uh, psychology. So it, I mean... I guess I was working towards it without ever realizing it.
1: And I was going to be a psychology major when I went to college that I really, really, really wanted to be a therapist. And uh, I got into my classes and didn't like it. I didn't like the actual classwork. And I figured I shouldn't do it if I absolutely hated that and ended up doing a lot of like psychoanalytic theory in my English degree. So I kept the same kind of ideas that I was really interested in and just shifted it into a different discipline.
0: Yeah, I always like the theory, and I like the science, and I like everything except running the experiments, basically. Mm, yeah, I'd hate that. And I didn't really want to be a therapist ever, so that's why I was like, no, this is a great minor for me, but it's not what I want to do with my career. But the thing that I liked the most in psychology was the psychology of personality. There are a lot of other subsets I really like, too, um, which maybe we'll talk about in the future. But yeah personality is just it's something that's always been interesting to me and I think it probably started like way back with like horoscopes honestly and like astrology (laughs) I've always found that kind of fascinating we can talk about that in a minute but yeah I wanted to run through a few of like the big name tests that I always think about for personality because throughout my course of studying psychology and then today just because I'm still interested I've taken so many personality tests like anything that's a major one that has any kind of scientific backing or research or anything at all I've probably taken it at this point
1: point. and I looking at the ones that we've made here that you've listed I've never actually taken the the disc or the big five and uh, Jennifer I know is the one that introduced me to uh, to disk, that kind. And I've heard about it before, but I tend to take them as they come up whenever I see a link to click and I rarely go out of my way to get them. So nobody has linked to me a test that I could take for those two.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can, and you can find them out there. Like if you Google for any of the ones we're gonna talk about here, you can find the tests if you're interested, but let's just like, let's dive into it. So yeah. I kind of ordered them um, roughly, in chronological order, not exactly, because I'm saving my favorite for the end. But <laughs> disc is the first one that you and I wanted to talk about, which is dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. This one never really made sense to me, but it's one of like the earlier ones that has any kind of scientific backing or study at all. And it, it was made in like the
1: 1940s. I know when Jennifer did this one, like I don't know much about how it's used in terms of applied to people and uh, to be able to take the actionable steps. But when Jennifer's came in. Uh, like you said people are are divided among dominance influence steadiness and conscientiousness like where their personality more more fits and hers came back pretty much in in uh, steadiness and then conscientiousness. Like those were her two major with steadiness being the by far greatest one that uh, that when they did this at work for a, an in-service. And that is absolutely true. That she is, uh, when my, I, I may have said this before, when my dad asked me uh, about this new girl I was going to go out on a date with, he was like, tell me about her. I'm like, she's a straight up better person than I am. And it's like, that is like, everything that she is in disc as well. Just that steadiness, that that rock foundation and the conscientiousness of thinking about everyone else. And it's just I'm like, this one there there it worked at the very least. So I'm um, I don't know much about what's behind it,
0: though. Well, so there's something to be said for every one of these personality tests and any personality test out there that has some kind of scientific backing. And I keep saying that to differentiate it from ones that like random people have thrown together online. I'm sure you right. could find a bajillion of them from I'm blanking on the sites. You guys know the sites that are Buzz just feed. like, yeah, BuzzFeed or like take quiz after quiz after quiz. Um, Not those, but anything with any scientific backing, there's always going to be like some level of result that you're like, ah, eh, it's kind of like me. Um, but the further you get in history, like the the tests that are newer or the tests that have been continually updated, are a lot better at giving you like a full overview of yourself and being a lot closer to accurate. So if you ever take one like the DISC or the Big Five um they're they're not great but there's like a kernel of wisdom in there which is kind of what you were getting at we talking about jennifer so like well let's talk about the big five too because it kind of falls in that same category um the big five measures five metrics hence the name it's (laughs) openness conscientiousness extroversion agreeableness and neuroticism (laughs) which i always thought this one was weird the scales that they use that is oh my goodness yeah, neuroticism is just right there in it. Um, this is the first one when you're like actually studying psychology in class and you're taking them kind of, you know, historically, this is the first one they say, this one is the first that's not horrible, basically. Nah. Like this one kind of kind of works, kind of works. OK, but I would group this one and the disc and kind of the the Enneagram the, that you brought up too, which is the next one on here in that uh, they they're not fantastic, but they're little kernels of wisdom. And it's just interesting to see. How these things have evolved over time
1: and before we move any further, I guess one thing that I realized that we actually didn't say is, why would anyone do this? like what good does it do to know that I am neurotic and agreeable, like what can people do like our listeners who have probably taken some of these before like what what purpose other than just figuring this out can we do with this
0: I always see it as a good chance to learn about yourself and also to like maybe act on that not always sometimes it's just like uh, it's a way to hold up a mirror to your own personality, you know, or your own self and just like, am I like that? Yeah, I am kind of like that. Or if something comes out of it and you go, wait, am I like that? And you start asking other people and they're like, yeah, and you're like, I don't want to be like that. Can I do things to change it or work on it? For me, it's always been less about that. I don't go into these like I want to change things about myself, but it's more of like a measurement of kind of who I am and where I'm at at a given time because your results will change over time.
1: yes. And that's something I'm going to talk about a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. Um mine, mine has changed. Like I know that I've changed uh, into a, having a lot more extroversion than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to
0: see how you change over time. Um, So Enneagram, I know you wanted to mention, it's not one of my favorites, but it's from like the 1970s and 80s. And you said that one, someone you know uses this one, right?
1: Yeah, my cousin is a former pastor. He went to seminary. Very, very, very uh, humanitarian guy. Super compassionate. Just loves everybody. And we were talking, and he's moved out of the ministry now and is an executive coach. And so, as I was talking to him about all of this, he keeps uh, uh, bringing up the Enneagram. Enneagram, uh, Enneagram, uh, this one. And uh, he said that it's his favorite type to use. He starts out with all of his clients with this Just to get a baseline of who they are, like just knowing, like. They have a foundational personality that he can probably approach in a particular way, and so um, I can't remember. He, he's a t- he's a uh, it uses a scale of one to nine, and he's a nine. And right now, while I'm saying this, I can't remember what a, what the nine is. I'm going to Google it really quick. Um, he's the mediator, and so when looking back at somebody who uh, has been in the ministry and is wanting to coach and help people. That's really spot on, and so we talked a lot. And because of my my experience with uh, helping people at the uh, at the learning center and kind of being this uh, not quite counselor but this uh, this crying shoulder for them, um, we actually thought that I would probably be a, a nine as well. And when I took multiple tests, they all came back with me being a four, and then having like a sub wing, a wing as they call it, of a three, which turned out that when you look. It Is a the individualist is the type four, and then the achiever is what the wing of three is and it's not as though like reading into it it's like i am not an individualist it's like i am not like i don't care just about me over anybody else but that's not what it is it was that when you look at it it's talking about how the the individualist is somebody who doesn't necessarily go along with trends that they're a person who kind of does what they want to do and they're stuck in their ways in a lot of in a lot of ways and just kind of uh doesn't necessarily want to go with the status quo and i'm like yeah i kind of hate the man and uh, uh the way i look at everything even politically that's kind of the way i'm and it doesn't mean i'm not compassionate uh but it just means the in terms of convention and then the wing of three with the achiever is like yeah i want i, w- I want my gold star it's like well, yeah I, I go out and do that it's a good note too
0: that like every one of these uses different terminologies and mm-hmm. you can never just take like the high level label and assume that you know what it means you always yeah. need to read like the paragraph. Or two summary, even if you don't do a deep dive, right? If they have a whole book written about it, you don't need to read the whole book to understand. But there's always some kind of summary about the title that they've given you or the classification that they've given you, and that summary is 100% always worth reading because yes. the label it might not be what you initially think that it means at first glance.
1: Yeah, because there there are a couple like this, like the individualist, where I, I just looked at initially, and I'm like, really me I, I love people but that's not what it's talking about so once you get in like you said a little bit deeper it's just like oh yeah that that is kind of my personality isn't it yeah it's
0: it's fascinating so that gets us to the 90s and into the 2000s and i know we're going fast here but i wanted to get to these these last two that i saved so Strengths finder is the first one that i would actually like recommend that you can use in different settings um It's constant, well, not constantly updated, but it's updated every few years. So there's always like the newest edition of StrengthsFinder out. Mm -hmm. And StrengthsFinder is really about, they rate you on a ton of stuff, but it's about work. It's like, how do you function in a work or school environment? It kind of goes hand in hand, but it's not trying to give you a comprehensive look at you as a person. It's very limited in scope, but because of that, it's really effective at giving you this insight about yourself, like in a working environment.
1: And we did this at work one year. Um, over the summer, one of our administrators sent out a bunch of codes. And uh, because this is a, a premium, paid for service um, that you can't just go onto the internet and take, as far as I know. Yeah, and I mean, it's cheap. I mean, you say
0: it's premium because yes, it is paid for, but it's not super expensive. You can either just like buy the book on Amazon, which is right. it's like fifteen or twenty bucks. It's not crazy. Or you can buy like a one-off code online, but it's not like hundreds of dollars. It's like. 15 $15, $20, somewhere in there. Okay.
1: And they gave us all codes and I was very irritated at my institution and unhappy and very uh, kind of dysphoric about the whole thing. And the uh, they gave me this code and I was like, nah, I ain't doing this. I am going to go sit in my faculty conference and I'm not participating in this and then everyone else did most people did and i loved it like hearing about this because it the way it was talking about it wasn't a uh, wasn't like a a personality test so much as it was ways to maybe approach your work life to be able to be a little bit uh, happier and more productive without banging your head against the wall kind of looking at it in ways to give you a different strategy for how you approach work, and we also did this with with some freshman classes. Uh, Ellie, our our freshman studies director, ended up taking these codes and uh, taking some more of StrengthsFinder, and then doing the entire freshman classes from that point on with it, just to kind of introduce them to uh, the idea of learning styles. Yeah, this one this one is super
0: useful. I actually have any new employee that comes onto my team take this one and the next one we're going to talk about because. I find it's useful for people to see it about themselves, but like as a boss, it's super useful for me to see like where their strengths are and the ways that they think and the ways they function in a working environment. So to backtrack slightly on this one, which is the strengths finder again. Um, What it they basically they rate you on a lot of stuff and you only have a limited amount of time to answer each question. So you have to go with your gut instinct. Like there's it's not a high pressure timer, but it's like a a short timer on every individual question. So you really have to just like pick and go and keep moving throughout it so that you don't have time to dwell on a question, which I think is fascinating. And It's actually created by the Gallup group. Like, it's the Gallup organization's data. So they developed... And I pulled a little bit from Wikipedia here because it described it pretty well. They developed, like, numerous semi-structured interviews to identify talent that could be enhanced and used to pursue positive outcomes in work and school. So they did all of these interviews, right? And um, used the results, essentially, to make this... It's, like, called the Clifton Strengths Finder. Clifton is the guy who was not the sole one who did it, but it was like under his direction that they came up with it. And it's quick too. Like it it says it takes less than an hour. It takes like dramatically less than an hour. I think it's maybe 20 (laughs) minutes start to finish, maybe 15, Uh, but it finds the top five strengths for you and it gives you a lot of information about them. So for me, I am a learner I'm a relator. You could look all these up if you guys want. I'm strategic. I'm an achiever. And I have intellection, which is the only one that Mm -hmm. isn't what it sounds like. Intellection means that I need time alone, which if you've been listening for a while, you could probably guess that about me. No. Yeah. All of the other ones are fairly self-explanatory in this case. I mean, learner, uh, relator, I can relate to people. I'm As much as I'm an introvert, I'm actually a really good people person in the workplace. But then I come home and I need to recharge. (laughs) So um, strategic that's like all day every day that's a huge part of my job and what i like doing an achiever i mean i know you and i share this in common we both like to just achieve stuff and set goals and reach them um but that intellection is that was one where i was like what even is it and it's basically like you need alone time and i was like yep yeah i do it's more than that but that's kind of like the core of it like you need to be alone with your thoughts to get them all in order and think about deep questions about life it's like yeah
1: Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty, pretty accurate from what I know of you. That that yeah. sounds like and I'm I'm kind of the same way. I bet if I took it that there would be part of the intellection in there uh, at the near the bottom, most likely. But I have to have that downtime as well. I have to be able to recover from all of my my people loving. <laughs> yes, you do love people. Um, So that
0: kind of brings us to the last one that I really wanted to dive deep on uh, is the Myers-Briggs. And the Myers-Briggs has been improved over time, and they keep iterating on it. So something about this one just works. Like, I don't know why, but this is my favorite one. It was developed in the 1940s, so we're out of chronological order now. But I saved it for the end because in my life, people that I'm around enough eventually learn that I like these, and I convince them to take personality tests, right? (laughs) It's
1: like and to be your friend, you have a gateway and you have to make sure that you're compatible in personalities.
0: Sometimes No, it's not that. It's that I'm just curious. No, I know. I'm just a curious person. It took me years and years and years before I like got my wife to take one, which is always fun. Um but this is the one that I have seen hits people the best. Like this gives the most accurate results unless you're right near the middle of a spectrum, which happens to some people, but across every test that I've seen and every class that I've taken and every personality test that I've studied, uh, I like the Myers-Briggs because I've just seen it work so well over time.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I hear a lot of stuff that talks about how it is not accurate. There is nothing behind it. It was just a couple of people who put stuff together. And I honestly don't know. That's something that I have not uh, ever really done deep dived into the history of this test i've never really paid attention to who myers and who briggs were and then the people who came after them to improve it but both i have two personalities that uh from one that i changed into another and then whenever i did like all the time it's accurate almost every single time with every test no matter who makes it uh that i was i was an uh INFJ, and now I'm an ENFP. And it's like, we'll talk about what those are later, but they were always the same thing. Like, no matter where it was, and when you read what they... Or it was my personality as much as you can really talk about a person uh, in generalized uh, traits in, in that method in that, that way.
0: Yeah, so this one, it measures you on four different metrics and it'll place you on one side or another of them, which is where I said if you fall right in the middle of one of these sometimes it, it can be slightly off but like I said, I've seen the best results most consistently from the Myers-Briggs um, especially like the most modern version which you can get to and it's free if you go to 16 with the number number 16 and then personalities.com so 16personalities.com and w- it has these four metrics and that's how you shorthand it when you're talking about it to somebody else so like you said right now you're an ENFP so mm-hmm. that would be extroverted uh intuitive feeling and perceiving And it's kind of interesting because you and I are almost opposites right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I didn't know this until you and I both put ours in here the other week. So I'm an INTJ, which is introverted, intuitive, thinking, judging, which sounds bad. (laughs) But um, But. so you and I have that intuitive uh, the same, which the one that we're missing there is the S, which is sensing um, instead of intuitive. But that kind of gives you an idea of like the scales. That it puts you on and then it'll give you each one of these like different um, four letter codes has a whole bunch of writing and how you interact with other people and how you mesh with other personality types and then how you are in the workplace, how you are in relationships, all of these things. And I found it to be like way more accurate than you would think that it is
1: yeah like like just going through there like for the enfp like just starting out it's called the campaigner is what they call it and it's pretty pretty much that and you uh, it's in the they each have a category so there's four categories and yours is diplomats and,
0: campaigner in the diplomats personality category
1: okay i actually didn't know they had broken it down into the diplomats and stuff i'm i'm gonna have to poke around even more for that <laughs> yeah but, so uh, i fall
0: into analyst there's four analysts there's four diplomats there's four of the other two which i'm blanking off the top of my head um but yours is called the campaigner mine is called the architect which I guess that tells you something about me.
1: And if you look at both of us, just thinking about that, like for mine, it's like fiercely independent. Uh, You, you, they, it says that, you know, much more than stability and security, they crave creativity and freedom Uh, in the career. It talks about how uh, they don't do well with hierarchies and, uh, and structure. And um, it's talking about, you know, they're, uh, they're charming, which everyone knows is me. Uh, in, independent energetic compassionate and just like uh you know the life of the party uh is actually what it says and uh at the last conference i went to i walked in the door and uh, somebody turned and was like bj's here the party can start and i was like huh uh, but it's uh th- that's what i was i was like really people say that and uh but it, they're they are they're it's creepy how, uh, how accurate in terms of just those broad generalizations it can be. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that. I hate structure and hierarchy more than anything, more specifically hierarchy. I've butted my head up against hierarchy more than most people probably have. Like I really push against it. Professionally,
0: Yeah, and mine is all about uh, sitting back and analyzing systems and then making them work well and like getting my hands in which if you've heard me talk about games and why I like systems like, yeah, that's how my brain works. I, I need the wide angle view, and then I can work super effectively in whatever my niche is within that giant picture, basically. So. I've actually, you and I have talked about this a bunch offline about like being in management or not being in management or like where you want to end up in your career because some people just don't and that's fine. Like you can work your way up. Um, There's, so there's a talk in the tech world about like how you have developers grow in their career over time and i know i'm tangenting here a little bit but developers there are some companies that don't have like a technical track built out they only have like you're a developer you're a senior developer you're a whatever developer and then you jump to management and for some people that's just not what they want to do and that's a hundred percent fine um yeah you know, but you need to know like where you fit and how it works and like companies that are successful, especially in like the development in the tech world, they have both of those tracks and they give you options to jump kind of from one track to another yeah. and figure out where you belong. And the more that I have had different jobs and different experiences and different gigs, the more I realize that I really do work well in management because i I like that wide-angle view of everything, and then I can direct people very well within that because I understand the whole picture, so I can control my part of it and the part that me and my team are responsible for even better because of that.
1: Yeah, and we have that kind of track as well, uh, the track system in, in the company, and because of my experience at the college, I'm actually on the management track right now, and the next time that we have a performance review, I'm going to talk to my supervisor about my moving into the individual contributor track because the more I I think about it I'm happier now being on my own uh, being able to work on these projects and check in with somebody and you know do that kind of work than I ever was trying to manage and have that high level view and uh, I, I just don't for in terms of work, I'm, you know, talking to everybody. I love all of my people, but in with projects, I don't I don't want to work on what you're working on. That's not what I'm interested in. That's why I'm working on my project. It's uh I was that way, you know, at at the college as well.
0: And so well, yeah, I mean you and I were just talking right before we recorded about the projects I'm working on right now. <laughs> and oh. It's like, there's a lot, and I was just rattling them off the top of my head. And when you write it all down, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of different things. But that's where I thrive. I thrive on... Almost too much. A little bit of like controlled chaos, you know. And the job I'm in right now. So I I had had management experience previously, but more in like the production world on crews and stuff. So I've been producer, I've been director, I've been all that kind of stuff. But it's in the setting of production environments, right? TV, like shooting that kind of thing. Um, this is the first office management job I've had, and this is the first one where I've been high enough in like a, an org chart where I actually get the wide angle view and. It is amazing how much I love and like thrive on having the full picture of the business. Even though I'm not touching all these other pieces of the business, just knowing how my piece feeds into the other ones makes me such an effective manager compared to if I didn't know that information. And that's where this job it kind of solidified in my mind that management is where I want to be for probably the rest of my career at this point.
1: And that was, like I said, the exact opposite of me that uh, I thought that I was going to be good. I told Jennifer when I first got the director's job at the center, it was like, I'm good for the rest of my life. I can spend 40 years here. And then the more I did that job, I realized that I'm best at number two. Um, and I don't mean duty. I mean, <laughs> although I'm very good at duty. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> tickle myself um i'm naming the episode that right now i'm very good uh, at duty and it's uh but i I don't like being the one that final decisions rest on i realize that as long as i have autonomy to do what needs to be done but not the final say on everything that that kind of thing is too much pressure and uh I, i i just cannot function with that all of this
0: to tie back to the fact
1: that like Myers-Briggs
0: makes me think about things like this. Yeah. And I love that. It's such a good jumping off point for conversations and kind of understanding yourself, even if you don't agree with it, even if you don't agree with it a hundred percent, there's probably something in there that gives you a jumping off point to think about yourself and your interaction and how you are day to day with other people um, or your job or whatever, you know, relationships, all that kind of stuff. So that's why I like the Myers-Briggs so much. And If you guys want to do one personality test, do the Myers-Briggs. Go to 16personalities.com and then tell me on Twitter or tell me on Reddit what you are because I'd love to know. I'm so curious about our audience.
1: And one of the reasons I really like the uh, sixteen personality site in general is uh, is they have at the bottom of the introduction of everything, or maybe it's the very end of the very end. I don't know. Uh, they have a, a a you know kind that you may know was like campaigners you may know. And as you scroll through the one for the ENFPs, the very last one is Willy Wonka. It says Willy Wonka from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and the moment that I saw that, I laughed so hard because all of my coworkers had. Uh, For years, at at, when I was at the college, called me the Willy Wonka on of campus because I was, you know, always this kind of crazy, you know, bouncing around. Like I would literally spin while I talked to people. Like I'd be walking down and I would spin and bounce and jump. Like I'm a very animated person. And uh, when I saw that, I just was like, well, I guess. I guess they saw that in me and I did not. That's funny. So, yep. yes,
0: I, I encourage this one. It's the easiest and the freest one to do um, at 16personalities.com. And please, seriously, like tell me what you are because I, um, yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I'm super
1: interested in everybody.
0: Yeah, the last one I want to talk about is uh, astrology. I don't uh, actually want to dive deep <laughs> except to say that I like astrology. I like astrology for fun, not for accuracy. Not It has no science to back it up. Unlike all the other ones that we've been talking about, even if their signs wasn't great, there was at least something there. Um, astrology is astrology, but I love it anyway. <laughs> like I will geek out about it. I'm not going to right here. We don't have the time, but I like astrology. I'm a Scorpio and I will embrace that fact. And
1: I can't like, I don't, this is so hard for me to reconcile because of everything I know about you, just everything about this analyst side of you, You usually, but you're like, no, there's nothing behind this that's dumb. And it's just, this one is, it's so, I can't figure out what it is about astrology in particular that that grabbed you. It's the stars, man.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why. It's just, it's fun. It's a fun take. It's probably because I like personality tests so much and I think I came to the enjoyment of personality tests through astrology. I think that was really my first frame of reference, like the first frame that I could hang personality on before I understood psychology or the science behind it or any of that other stuff. Uh, astrology was there first, like when yeah. I was a teenager, for whatever reason. And I ran into it. Um, I just never really let go of it. So I still appreciate it for the fact that it kind of got me into this whole thing.
1: And there's always going to be... I mean, I don't do astrology. That's something that that I am pretty much... I don't want to say I distance myself from it, but I have no interest in. So I just kind of steer clear. And, uh, but the only thing that will always have a, a small piece of my heart is that when I was a kid, uh, my mom, uh, when, especially when I was super young before school, even my mom would go and take me, uh, to my grandpa's house in the morning. And every day before work, he would have the, uh, the, the daily paper, uh, full opened and folded up to her horoscope. And, uh, uh, she would read it uh, every day and he would point it out to her and it's like that's one of those memories I have of my mom and my grandpa and their relationship was just uh, that was how I got introduced to the idea of astrology was just through these daily horoscopes in the Tennessee and uh, uh, out of Nashville like it was it's just that and I mean I'm a Capricorn and I don't know what that means but that's about all I know like <laughs> well, astrology I should say
0: that the thing I like about astrology is the personality type aspect I don't actually do horoscopes and I never have. The day to day, the like the stars are going to tell you what's going to happen today. Um I've never bought into that part, but it's more about like how they classify people into broad strokes of the personality depending on when you were born. That's what got me into it and that's what I still think is very interesting. Even though the accuracy is let's let's not talk about the accuracy. Anyway, I'm a Scorpio, you're a <laughs> Capricorn. Um the other thing is that I love tarot cards, but we're not going to talk about that now. I just have I've... to mention it because astrology and tarot I've cards I've
1: never interacted with tarot cards i've never had a reading i've never never sat down never watched anyone get a reading the only interaction i know people who do love it but i've never been like physically with tarot cards before i only have interactions on tv like that's okay. all i've ever seen
0: well you know the whenever you and i end up getting together or if we have a geek to geek con tarot cards are going to be there then i all suppose right. fair enough
1: cool so do you read of, them I'm, I'm curious do you read them or have anyone do it or do you just know people and have that done i don't have it
0: done often but every once in a while if i'm out and i see one i'm like yeah i'll waste thirty dollars this will be fun and <laughs> i'll do that but no i don't have like i'm not a regular at the tarot card reader that's not what i'm talking about so I'm you're just, not
1: you don't have a standing appointment with madam sheila that's no. actually that's actually the, the one we have we actually have a lady down the road who does uh palm readings and tarot cards and her name's madam sheila we have one in uptown i don't remember what they're called but
0: every time i walk by i'm like uh do i want to today yeah maybe but when i say every time i walk by it's like once every couple years so no i don't have a standing appointment so all of that to say i really like personality tests as you can probably tell by now um i think the myers briggs and the strength finder are actually like very useful and actionable and i encourage myers briggs if you're at all interested in anything we've talked about um Yeah, yeah, that's probably it for
1: the main topic this week. Uh, why don't you talk about Patreon for a bit? Uh, so if you've done this, if you've listened and you've gone and done a uh, personality test um, and any of your stuff came back as generous, maybe you should go to patreon.com slash geek 2 and consider supporting the show. And even if yours came back as not generous, you should still consider going to patreon.com slash geek2geekcast and supporting the show. We have some cool stuff and I will give you a hug if I ever see you in person that is actually written down. There so you know you want it it is it's in writing I forgot about that it is I will hug you geek to geek con. you getting hugs okay uh on the network this week
0: geekitude they did that deep dive into the last jedi so that was kind of last week and kind of this week too because their episode came out late but it was super interesting and now i really want to read the the article that they talked about or the essay i guess it is so i have that on my to do to get around to and then tea time with katie and chelsea talked about legends of tomorrow it was uh chelsea with her husband on and they were kind of doing a deep dive into legends of tomorrow the show so that was fascinating as well oh wow i'd completely missed that that one was out yeah yeah they're both good um um, with that, it's time for weekly geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been doing? So wow. we more wow, well, right?
1: Well, I did more wow. I am I am playing it still. Uh, don't have a whole lot to say. I mean, I'm still really enjoying it. I tanked my first dungeon uh today like that was neat good job Uh, never never tanked a dungeon before but i decided i was like i'll try this and it was actually a whole lot of fun so i was probably really bad and made those people very stressed because i just ran around like captain america shielding things and it was great um but that that was fun and the only real thing that really got me excited like that i would like to talk about is I, i tweeted about it um i had a boe epic a bind on equip epic um that sold for three hundred and sixty thousand gold and Is i've that never lot or been... a little
0: because the wow economy inflates over time and that could be like the cost of like a piece of bread or that could be like a lot
1: it's it's a lot in that like you go i you can buy a blue mace for maybe five to nine k oh so okay. uh epic weapons like epic like current like because you can't raid to get that high weapon they're going for like 900 to a million but uh but 360 was uh, for a le- pair of leather gloves was a lot for me. I've never had more than like 30 k at a time. Um, I spend a lot of money. I don't care about making it and I have, this is probably more money than I've ever had combined in the previous 14 years of playing this game. So it's uh, a lot of money for me and it's like, it it feels weird because in game, I'm now set up. Like, I can do anything I want to do and not really worry about running out of money. Like, I wanted to get uh, up to where I could run Heroics and so I just went to the auction house and bought a couple of pieces that bumped my item level up just those couple points that i needed instead of doing a couple of extra you know normal dungeons and hoping for a drop just small things that i could do it's like yeah i like that because i was able to uh, get just a random drop and sell it for for enough that I n- i'll never get that lucky again Cool. I'm super happy good to find. be. Good I'm rich now. And uh, it's, it's great. And then last week, we went to see, uh, cra- well, not last week, this week, I guess, we went to see Crazy Rich Asians. And it's so good. Like, I want to see it again because I loved it so much that every person in it is just about just about perfectly cast they did such a magnificent job of putting it together and it's it's a romantic comedy but at the same time it it hits against a lot of the tropes that are that are in romantic comedies like the the couple is already together at the start so you don't have this meet cute and then the people falling in love in like 30 seconds and then getting married with a show stopping like proclamation of love on a bridge where traffic stops for you like it broke away from that kind of of rom-com and it it's very uh emotional really like i cared about these people and candace Wu, the the protagonist um is just fantastic that she is she is great and i've i've been a fan of her since i saw the first episode of fresh off the boat uh the tv show it's and she's great like i i will i want to watch this Again, because of her and other people uh, that I knew uh, that one of the characters from Oceans 8 is uh, in there as well and it's just just lovely and uh, I want to go back and start re-watching uh, fresh off the boat and actually finish up through where we left off like it's it's great because um, just because I heard nothing because but good things about it
0: and I mean Katie and Chelsea did a whole episode on it have you yeah. listened to
1: that yet no I haven't listened to it yet you should go uh, back and listen to that but I'm gonna listen to the audiobook of it soon I have an audible credit so I'm gonna gonna get the book of this and uh, and listen to it and it's it's just really good and it made me and Jennifer it made us realize that when we went there that we don't see a lot of grown-up movies that we and i say that with quotes with air quotes whereas we don't see a lot of like non blockbuster movies where like the theaters are packed jurassic park marvel mcu movies like we were talking on either discord or slack and i don't remember which one about how many you know non-disney owned property movies that we've seen in the theaters in so long and so many people, myself included, have only seen like the big ones with Star Wars and the MCU or, you know, a Pixar movie or something like that and don't really have time or money to go see the other movies that we would want to see and so jennifer and i realized this that it's been so long like maybe like six months and before that goodness knows how long since we actually went and saw a movie that wasn't aimed at the you know that particular demographic and like we saw lady bird in december i think uh, and a couple movies like that and would brilliant we always love doing it we always love when we go to a movie that's not a blockbuster that's just something else and we want to start doing that again. We want to make a point to go see things that aren't like the MCU uh and we love those don't get me wrong but we realize that that's taking over a lot of out something that we love and we want to embrace what we also used to do and kind of got out of yeah that's cool So that's i mean a lot
0: of you you know that book i mentioned the mm-hmm. the one i always forget what it's called yeah it's like the, the big uh, well, picture the fight for the future of movies yeah that sounds about right uh they talk about that a lot how like the non-blockbuster movies are going away more and more. Yeah. So I would love to have more time to go to the theater too. I just can't with the age my kids are. Once they're out of the house, I will probably be seeing uh, astronomically more movies than I'm seeing right now in theaters. So I want to see uh, Crazy Rich Asians. It sounds really good and everything I've heard is good about it. I just don't know when I'm going to have time. It might have to be when it comes out at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't a movie that I really thought, you know, hey, I have to go to the theater and see this. But- when I did, like I'd heard so many good things about it when we did, it was, I'm so glad that we did because it is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And it, uh, it it was just nice to go see something in the theater and it, be nice I guess is the way to is the best way to put it it's like it was just a nice experience and I want more of those that's good well
0: I don't have a super happy nice thing for my geekery I uh, uh. <laughs> did a deep dive into World War one um, <laughs> which honestly out of all the wars that you could be in this is probably the one you want to be in the least it's yeah it's not good it's super fascinating and that's why I dove into it and I know I talked about like kind of looking more into history so I read my first history book in well, since school, since and I actually don't think I did any history in college, so probably since high school, um, honestly. So I read The Guns of August, which is about the lead up and the breakout of World War One, and it goes through the Battle of the Marne or to the beginning of the Battle of the Marne, basically, and it is a deep dive into 1914, which is the year where like all of the things happen. After that, the war kind of stalls out, and then you get what you think of as trench warfare for the next four-ish mm-hmm. years or so until the end of the war. Um, August and the first part of September is what this book focuses on in 1914, and it's about all of the rulers, all of the countries, all of the like positioning and kind of like mental space that all of these countries and rulers are at before world war one and how they were basically all spoiling for war anyway especially like germany and france kind of looking at each other like whenever the war kicks off it wasn't an if so much as a when which Mm. is interesting because i always think about it as like austria hungary you know Franz ferdinand type of thing kicked off the war but that was more of an excuse than anything else um, which was fascinating for me to read about. So this is kind of it dives deep into how Germany basically almost won within the first month of the war. And it's crazy. It's crazy how close they got to Paris. It's crazy how like slight changes to the plan would have basically made them win the war like right away in the first 30, 60 days. It, it's about the French's plan and the German plan before the war ever kicked off because they had years where they kind of knew it was coming and they each had a plan for what they were going to do. It's just super fascinating. So it's not a great book. Like the writing is a little bit dry for me. I wish it was told more like And this is really what I'm looking for is like hardcore history. Like hardcore history is what kicked off my modern interest in history. I want to find books written the way that Dan Carlin talks about history on that show. And this is not that. This is a lot drier. This was done in like the 60s, I think is when it was written. Oh, Um, man. So I think I need to find a more modern history book as I move over to World War II soon. But... Uh, I'm glad that I read this one once. I don't think I'll reread it. So that was interesting. And then I went over to Netflix and I was like, what can I watch about World War One kind (laughs) of before I make the move to World War Two? And, um, I, I've been watching, well, I finished, it's called Our World
1: War. And I've seen that on there. I haven't watched it, but I, I, I've seen it being popping up. I've seen it pop up in the documentary section a lot. It's good. It's it's World
0: War 1 vignettes through the eyes of British soldiers basically. So the R World War like it's made by the BBC. So it's, you know, from the British point of view and It's a series of three World War I vignettes, and it kind of reminds me of, like, Battlefield One and Band of Brothers, somewhere in between there, like the Battlefield One vignettes that I talked about the other year, yeah, and the Band of Brothers, like, boots on the ground type of feel. It's really, really good. So the first episode is about the outbreak of the war, like the first shots fired for the British, essentially, and then... The second episode is more about um, kind of the trench warfare and after the army started getting depleted, how they were encouraging citizens to join up. So they got all these volunteers through this PALS program where you could sign up with people from your neighborhood or your work or your school or whatever, and you could be guaranteed that you would go together and stay with them. So that one's about the PALS system, which – is interesting, but also horrible because if you yeah. get killed as a unit, then your city or your town or your workplace gets wiped off the map. Basically My it's, goodness. it's bad. And then the third episode is about tank warfare and how it, it's brand new, but what it was like to be on a tank crew on like the very, very first tanks on the battlefield ever. And it, it has like the first tank battle of history essentially. And it was good. So I, I can recommend our world war. If you're interested about World War One, go watch that, or listen to Blueprint for Armageddon, which is the series that Dan Carlin on Hardcore History did about World War One. Those are two really good jumping on points. Don't start with the guns of August. <laughs> I, I'm glad I read it, but I can't recommend that one very highly.
1: I understand. Anything that's written back then, and, and I, I'm not saying that in a, in a really negative way, but the the pacing of books, especially nonfiction, was very different in the 60s.
0: Yeah, so it's fascinating. I'm going to keep moving forward, and I'm probably going to re-listen to Blueprint for Armageddon because it's, it might be my favorite work of history. What would it be? It's not historical fiction. It's just history of like nonfiction history. Yeah, I guess nonfiction it's history. Probably my favorite work of nonfiction history ever is Blueprint for Armageddon. So I'm probably gonna re-listen to that and then move on to World War II pretty soon.
1: Nice. Yeah. That, and
0: if it if is it nice? It's interesting. It's yeah, interesting.
1: I, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It's like it's not really nice, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad that you found something that you like, even though. If I were to get in, I, I can't see myself getting into that because it would just put me in such a, a bad, bad state of mind. Yeah, I'm
0: not going to linger in war for a long time, but my mind is in the right spot to learn about it right now. So I'm right. going to keep diving deeper. Um, that's probably about it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, feedback or your personality types. Our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit
1: at reddit.com slash r slash geek geekcast We also have some great discussions on Slack and Discord, and you can go to either discord.geek2geekcast.com or slackgeek and you can come hang out with us. And like we said earlier, we're part of a podcast network, so check out our shows at, guess it, geek to geekcastcom I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beige with two E's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week.
0: See you next week, geeks.
1: Bye, geeks. I want to know your personalities. And remember, this week, keep it geek.